And we're back. I'm Gervier Brahm here with Chamakar Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into Avatar, The Way of Water, and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. The humans are returning. They're hunting us. What's our plan? This is our home. This is our family. This is our fortress. This is where we make our stand. We must protect the people. Let's get it done. Alright, in our first segment, we're going to be talking about all the major movie and TV news of the week, but if you want to check out our spoiler-filled review of Avatar The Way of Water, we got timestamps in the description. Jump in. First thing I want to kind of, listen, I know, I feel like we kind of have dove into the past few weeks of episodes, mm. just talking about The Rock again and again. I feel like it, he like times it just perfectly for us every single week, <laughs> that like some, some new development of this Black Adam scandal has always happened. Mm. I just feel like I want to talk about it now because it'll give us the closure yes. that we've all been kind of waiting for. Uh, so I'll read out his statement and give me your thoughts. So first he says, my passionate friends, I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the new DC universe. He talks about how him and James Gunn have connected. They talked about how DC and Seven Bucks have agreed to continue exploring the valuable ways Black Adam can be utilized in future DC multiverse chapters. Mm -hmm. He also said, James and I have known each other for years and I've always rooted for each other to succeed. It's no different now. I will always root for DC in brackets and Marvel to win and win big. Because you guys know me, I have very thick skin and you can always count on me to be direct with my words. Uh, he goes on to basically just talk about how like he worked on this for a long time, all this kind of stuff, and just thanking fans and this and that. But uh, I kind of want your thoughts on just just the statement. It's actually a really good statement from yeah. a PR perspective, yeah. because he could have easily lashed out, um, kind of been very aggressive and salty and salty, yeah. right? And if you kind of, which is how it felt before, yeah. If you read between the lines with some of like his tweets and some of the other things that has been kind of said from his side of things over the last like ten days or so. It's come across like, oh, uh, uh, the one that stuck with me was like, oh, that's just noise. Mm-hmm. You know, when he tweeted, oh, that's just noise. Yeah, yeah. And it and it's not noise. It's actual real stuff developing in front of everyone's eyes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I feel like this is the final nail in the coffin of the DC EU as we kind of move forward now into the DCU. Yeah. Because essentially Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill and Patty Jenkins and now The Rock and... You know, with all these movies coming out, Shazam, The Flash, we know that at least for the short term, they don't really give us give us anything to be invested in. Mm-hmm. The interesting, though, there's two interesting parts of his statement for me. One being the future of the DC multiverse chapters, right? And so, like, just like how Marvel have used Fox you know marvel you know characters and kind of professor x and now they're going to be using wolverine logan Mm. do they maybe in i don't know five years seven eight nine years right with enough time passing say you know what let's bring the rock back but not the same version of black adam that we saw in 2022 but a different version i don't know yeah it kind of leaves the door open a little bit right and you know, discussions could be, hey, maybe we'll work together one day, maybe we won't. That's what it feels like. To, that's right? how I kind of interpret it. It's yeah. like almost like it's almost like when you like are on a bad date and then at the end of it you're like, Okay, cool, like well, I'll see you later. Yeah. And like you don't mean I see you later. Yeah. You just mean like, Okay, cool, like I'm so glad this is over. Yeah. Let's just get the hell out of here. Yeah. It's, it's a, I see, I'll see you later. Yeah. Very meaningless. Doesn't have to actually mean anything. The, the part of the statement that I thought was like a little bit more interesting was the fact that he says he wants DC to like to succeed. But he also mentioned that he wants Marvel to succeed. And I feel like it's not to say that he's like 
now being like, all right, cool, Marvel, what's up? I think a little part of him just wants to like kind of intrigue the audience a little bit more. Like he gets like the I, I don't I actually think he'll do like superhero stuff anymore, but. I, I don't know. Do you think there's an appetite for him in like Marvel or anything like that? Well, I was going to say that was a, that was going to be the second thing that kind of stuck out with me in this statement is yeah. the fact that he actually mentioned Marvel. I haven't really seen him mention Marvel uh, in anything for a long, long time because yeah. he's been so all about Black Adam and DC and the, yeah. and the hierarchy of power about to change in the DCEU and all that kind of stuff. 20 bucks says he brings up that Luke Cage thing from like <laughs> that tweet back in the day. And he's like, yeah, well, like low key, I always wanted to do Luke Cage first. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It leaves the door open, yeah. and you know, at the end of the day, he is still a massive movie star. Even though Black Adam didn't perform to the levels I think he and others were expecting it to perform, yeah. Um, and who knows? It doesn't have to be something that he has to physically, you know, act. You know, we've got Vin Diesel just lending his voice as Groot. Sure, right. So th- we don't know, uh, but again, very, very smart on his side and his team. Again, like I said, from a PR perspective, it was a fantastic statement. Yeah, yeah. I could. I, I wouldn't even be mad if if there was like an animated version of Black Adam in the Rock was like a part of that or something. Like sure, that. That, that seems like a fun little thing you could throw on Disney Plus mm. or or whatever uh, HBO Max or whatever you want to do. And to be honest with you, things have been so volatile when it comes to Warner Brothers, yeah. uh, Warner Brothers Discovery now, and how they've handled everything. Mm-hmm. Who knows? James Gunn's first Superman movie could come out and they could be like, yeah, it tanked. We're going to rip it up. Let's go back to Zack Snyder. Let's yeah, go back yeah, to yeah. The Rock. Let's go back to this. Like, they are, we need consistency and like a solid plan, but also to see things perform at a very high level. And again, that goes back to the pressure that James Gunn and crew are going to be under delivering the first couple of movies. You know what's funny? As It doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like, okay, cool. Like, I'm you know, I'm worried James Gunn might not be able to knock it out of the park. Like, I, it's almost like uh, I'm very expecting him to do it. You know what really? I mean? It's very weird, but I, I very much wow. expect him to, like, I have succeed con- in this. I have concerns only because it's not as if he was taking, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, never seen before. Yeah. Right? When he did Guardians of the Galaxy, we didn't see these uh, characters and that particular comic book franchise on the big screen. And also, he was making an entry into an already successful universe. Yeah. They were like, oh, we're finally... After Spider-Man and, and like, Ant-Man and Thor and Captain America, now we're going to get Guardians? Oh, this is so cool. We're, like, already up for it. And then he delivers, Right. Now, it's like everyone's already so salty about the vast majority of the characters and the iterations in the movies that we've already got. And this could be uh, a good thing and a bad thing. Right? It's so bad that the only way is up. And it's, it's only going to be a good thing. But at the same time, I feel like that he himself is such a, a fantastic filmmaker that he's set his bar so high that to see a fantastic Superman movie yeah. is something that we're expecting but i do have concerns only because of what we've already got i'll be honest if for me it feels like almost like the tone has changed for me for like dc like I, it just in general like everything i can get excited about everything it's like obviously not like flash and stuff like that like i can get mildly excited for that stuff but it doesn't feel like it's important mm. when he starts producing his stuff i feel like that's gonna feel like a shift the same way like a legitimate new competitor has like entered the arena yeah 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 and like it also it goes to goes with saying that like at the end of the day it's not like marvel had like the best year they've ever had or something like that i'll be the worst creatively yeah like a bit of a lull of a year yeah i mean like still highs but a lot of um mixed reactions yeah you know what i mean on the shows and the movies yep yeah in with james gunn it still feels like there's still something it's because it's new. You yeah. know what I mean, it's this is what's interesting because Marvel feels like this real established brand right now. Yep. And I think there's an opportunity right now for something 
new to kind of emerge and be fun. You know what's been crazy is to see the first casting announcement. Yeah. Who's going to be Superman? That first still image from set, the first poster, the first the first of everything leading up to the first movie, everyone's going to be just chewing at it. A part of it is going to be like this stuff, right? Yeah. Like the fact that we're interested in it and we're going to be like talking about it. I feel like the momentum is going to be very interesting this time around. He definitely gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And that's why that first movie needs to be an absolute banger just yeah. to kind of set the tone for everything else to come yeah yeah yeah. and, and just to recap a few other things with the, the dc universe like first off obviously henry cavill announced that he's no longer returning as superman apparently there's still two superman movies in active development right now it's interesting because obviously they wouldn't be related so it's not necessarily that they can exist but uh, i'm curious to see what they do mm. first it's james gunn's version that focuses on a young clark kent in his early days as a reporter in metropolis the second is still Tanahasi Coates and J.J. Abrams' Black Superman movie. Those are both still possibly happening. But I, I, that last one also is, you know, born from a previous administration. Yeah. Who knows if it's going to still carry on. I doubt it personally. Yeah. And then the last thing is that uh, Ben Affleck apparently wants to direct a DC film. And James Gunn said he's trying to find the right project for him. Which I find cool. that really interesting. Yeah. And again, Ben Affleck has got so much experience both in front of the, the camera and behind it now. Yeah. That I'd actually prefer him to be involved in some capacity because he's A, been on the, the front side of things in terms of he knows, all right, what do the fans want of a, of a hardcore comic book character? Yeah. And what does he want to actually, you know, get involved with himself right? i think it'd be really dope like a full circle moment of like people not really like liking him as batman yeah and then for him to come back out and do something cool like if if he actually produced something awesome yeah. then it would be fun to see him like kind of have his own little redemption in that little nerdy community yeah but on top of that awesome content this guy made argo he really would be able to elevate whatever franchise he's a part of and just to go back to what you said about james gunn superman movie uh the cool thing that he said that stuck with me the most is that at this stage of Superman slash Clark Kent, he would have already met and had experiences with other characters from DC. Interesting. So, like, like that is a very open statement to make. Like, yeah. has he had interactions with Batman or Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash? Who knows? What right? is what does young Clark Kent even mean? Isn't aging something that's like? different with superman like i wonder what that even means maybe something like batman year two which is what the batman and matt reeves yeah. start to explore so maybe he's been at the daily planet for a year or two yeah, yeah. superman does exist um and that's where we kind of start the story instead of once again seeing the asteroid slash spacecraft of uh, spacecraft um you know crash land on earth and we see you know baby clark kent yeah, discover yeah, yeah. kryptonite and, yeah. and all those kind of yeah, tropes that i, I think he mentioned that like, he's not going to do it exactly story. we don't need to see that yeah, exactly we, yeah. we get it also speaking of reboots james cameron also mentioned that he's looking at rebooting the terminator franchise mm-hmm. he says nothing has been decided but i would make it a much more about the ai side than the bad robots gone crazy side mm-hmm. so uh i feel like you know de facto give it to the james cameron guys what do you think look man i've been burned so many times with <laughs> that's how i felt yeah it's like uh i don't know i don't know what the appetite is for this thing anymore like you're i feel like people would need something spectacular i think they could get jazzed up if like james cameron was like a part of it if he's directing it yeah then i'm all in yeah right because He's batting 1,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to Terminator movies that he's actually written and directed, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, like those are my two favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And they are five-star five star movies in their own right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It doesn't matter what angle you're coming in from it. Um, 
But every other sequel outside of that, even the one that although he didn't write and direct, he produced, which was the last Terminator movie, Dark Fate, it just wasn't well received. And everyone was like, oh, finally, you know, we're going to get the kind of continuation of the story post Terminator 2. And it just fell flat. Yeah. Didn't do well commercially, critically, it didn't do well. Um, so listen, if he's going to take in a completely different direction, like you said, this is not about a Terminator time traveling, going back in time, doing all that kind of stuff. That's interesting. But again, if he's going to write and direct it, I am all in. If he's just going to like be the 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 rights holder and help produce it, I just could not give a shit about it yeah, at this yeah. point. Next thing is that Christopher Nolan actually mentioned that Cillian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. are two of the greatest actors of all time. He says, I've always known since I first met him and I waited for the project where I can collaborate with him as the lead. It was such a great thrill to be able to call Cillian and say, this is it. That's like the number one like hypest thing you could tell me for like to to get ready for Oppenheimer. Mm. I, I I was like already very hyped about it. Obviously, I'm not watching the trailer, so I don't yeah. have that perspective on it. But I just feel like the people that they whenever you see Christopher Nolan working with like a big cast, it's exciting. But yeah. whenever he works with like it's like oh him, that's interesting. I didn't expect to see Robert Downey Jr. in one of his films. Right. You know I mean, like Cillian Murphy's one of his guys. Yeah. But Robert Downey Jr. This is gonna be like a nice little twist, and the fact that he's like hyping it up like this. I'm very excited to see where they go. You know what's crazy about Robert Downey Jr. is like, I think everyone from the last decade plus just kind of, and rightly so, just thinks, oh, Iron Man. He's kind of like, you know, just doing the same old, same old performance as Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Yeah. When what got him to the dance, what got him back and revived his career and eventually led to him getting cast as uh, Tony Stark slash Iron Man was his performance at Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen that movie, go out of your way to watch it. It's actually technically a Christmas movie, which is actually kind of like timely yeah, uh, yeah. for this time of year. Um, but it was kind of one of those performances where it was like, everyone's like, yo, you almost have forgot. Robert Downey Jr. is that guy when yeah, he's yeah. on his A game. And for him to finally be working with Christopher Nolan, uh, opposite another fantastic, like, show me a bad Cillian Murphy performance in yeah. anything. Yeah. Right. I'm so, so hyped about this. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's going to be a very cool movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, I, I just love Christopher Nolan's aesthetic. And that time, even just fashionably for me, is just so dope. And I can't wait to see what he does with it. And he's played with time periods quite a few now, yeah. quite a few times now. So. Oh, also, speaking of RDJ. He did talk about what he misses most about the MCU. He said, uh, being in the trenches with Kevin Feige throughout the beginning with uh, John Favreau, it's like a beautiful dream now. The end, when I realized I've made so many close friends and the Russo brothers helping me embrace Tony's arc. It's really interesting that he got out at like the perfect time. Like, the like, peak. Obviously, like the story is like perfectly paid off in that way. But at the same time, like it was like he's going to always be like this mythical figure in like this thing that's going to continue for like a very long time so it, it's really dope that he gets to be like that guy for like a very long time here's the thing like we're entering phase five now right and we're on our we're already on the journey to the multiverse saga yeah but every saga is automatically going to be compared to the infinity saga because yeah, yeah, it was almost perfect to a yeah. t all the way out building to a crescendo mm-hmm. with endgame yeah and you know him being the sacrificial lamb that kind of like saves a day it's like man like you said you can't script a better way to kind of like end an arc but also yeah. to go out on the highest note possible also, he elevated that character to like such a next level mm-hmm. right for like obviously we everybody knows like the marvel story of not having the rights for other people and like that's why they went with iron man right yeah and to go from like basically not being a household name to being like one of the most prominent like my nephews 
always talk about Iron Man. Mm. Every single time I see them, I've heard the word Iron Man. <laughs> doesn't matter when I see them, whatever context it is, I've heard the word Iron Man be said because yep. they're so into it. It's like them, him and Spider-Man. Spider-Man's always a consistent. Yeah. But it's crazy to think like 20 years ago, do you think like kids were talking about Iron Man? I highly doubt it. Well, the cool thing about Iron Man is, is we've only ever had one. Yeah. RDJ. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man. We've got multiple actors playing Spider-Man yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that character goes back way beyond the movies in terms of TV shows, animated series. Iron Man like was featured in other Marvel animated series. I don't think he ever had his own though. I wonder if he's such a character with Cashy at this point. Like, will there ever be a time when they think of like rebooting something like Iron Man? Yeah. I or mean, like redoing it from like the start. I don't know about doing it from the start, but like again just dipping into the whole multiverse angle seeing a different version of of iron man slash tony Stark played by a different actor do you ever do you see like the mcu is like fallible at this point like do you think he could ever have to restart or like reboot kind of like what's happening with dc do you think like ever not yet not for a long long time i i can't see it because like we've got so much story to tell with Mm. the characters that we've already got in play like Like, sometimes it feels like this thing's just going to keep going for like generations yeah. You know what I mean? Like the same way, like kind of, you know how like pro wrestling doesn't have like an end, mm-hmm. right? Like it just keeps going. Yeah. I feel like that's what the MCU is essentially. Like yeah. it's a, it's the WWE. It's a brand that's like, it's like a traveling circus. It's, gonna it's just going to keep going. Yeah. And like, it's just going to keep evolving because the technology is going to keep changing. Yeah. And like people are going to get more interested in different characters and different actors and all yep. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Speaking of the MCU, there are a few interesting points to kind of hit with that as well. First, Austin Butler his agents are reportedly pushing for him to be the MCU's Human Torch. Mm-hmm. I think that's wild. I, I actually hope they're like not even thinking of announcing this before like the Oscars. Like, let this guy at least shoot for that before you start thinking of him as like the MCU guy. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, I think he's got a real shot this year. He's definitely in the running. Yeah, yeah. and like, don't ruin his chances of winning an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, for his portrayal as Elvis Presley, like save that until he's actually because if you if he wins it and then you announce him, that's going to be a bigger like dub yeah, for you. Very, very. Uh, we've true. just a- announced like uh, one of our characters is oh by the way the the current Oscar winner for the male actor category, and it's kind of crazy. Also, speaking of Fantastic Four, John Krasinski says that he thinks it's unlikely that he will return as Mister Fantastic. I feel like. There's going to be people who are like salty and like, oh, I, I really wanted that. But I feel like uh, there's already starting to be like, I feel like the sentiment is starting to be like, all right, cool. Who's that guy? Like, we don't care. That's not going to be this. I'm excited to just see who the hell it is. I would have been so excited if he was like the legit Mr. Fantastic, like in the movie from the jump. What ended up happening was they did some fan service and that cameo didn't do well a lot of people in terms of him just getting like zapped and killed I think that's what did it if it's I'm being like honest, it's he's on screen like... and he's like meant to be the most like you know intelligent person in the entire MCU yeah and he gets vaporized by Wanda in like five minutes I get that Wanda's dope and they made her like this like unstoppable monster but they really did it at the expense of like what like obviously like I'm just saying from like the perspective of like a baby face and a heel yeah like they basically just had like a squash match yeah you know what I mean like killed those characters momentum yeah uh, but and like at the end of the day like that's why they use like disposable characters yeah right and I think that's what if you look at everybody that that version John Krasinski is surrounded by it kind of tells you how Marvel kind of viewed him as well yeah in a way it didn't work and they kind of checked the whole fan service box and I'm with everybody else I'm ready to just move on just hire who you're gonna hire show me a good Fantastic Four movie because yeah. we're yet to see one yet. 
I agree. A, a few other things. Hugh Jackman says they will be using a device to move around timelines in Deadpool 3. I feel like that's fun. Speaking of, like, it feels like that's going to be like a, that's, that is the era that we're in. We're in like this multiversal era. Yeah. Which is like fun, right? Like if Deadpool is going to be the comedy version of like that, that's pretty freaking great. But yeah, that's everything for the news this week. Let's get into something that I'm really excited to talk about. Avatar, The Way of Water. Wherever we go, this family is our fortress. So the first thing, obviously, this is uh, one of like, I, th- I think the, the road to Avatar 2 is like an interesting one. 13 years apart, it felt like the, the initial idea of Avatar was so well received. It felt like to me, like people were just like, wow, what a visual experience. Mm. What an experience in itself. And then it just felt like over time, the perception kind of just dipped because it didn't become like a popular, like, like a pop culture kind of movie where like, you know, there's like toys everywhere and people are talking about it and referencing it and all this kind of stuff. It felt like it was hollow in that way. But mm. we always knew that these sequels were coming and we always knew it was going to be James Cameron that kind of followed it. And there was a lot of expectation on it because it's James Cameron. And we know it's like the most expensive film like ever made. He's like working on all these technology and he built it up, like talking about it the weeks like coming into it, talking about the budget, how much money it has to make. And on, on, on top of that, it's just like, it's not like earlier in the year people were like starving for the next Avatar movie. It's all in these last few weeks. It felt like the hype was building and building and building. And now we're finally here, mm-hmm. right? We finally have uh, arrived at like Avatar, the way of the water. And I, by the time we got there, I was very, very excited to watch this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I'm just curious to see. First off, you kind of got an interesting version of watching it because you watched it twice, obviously, yeah. once separately, the second time uh, in IMAX 3D. Tell me about like the first time you watched it. Did you already walk in with like an idea of like what critics thought? Was that like kind of fresh in your brain? Like what, what were you walking with? It's hard to avoid like social media, like, quotes and sound bites in terms of what the critics thought or what the 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 lucky first few people that watched it because the london premiere happened about a week to slash 10 days before general release yeah so if you could avoid that god bless you i couldn't Mm. right and to see the vast majority provide overwhelming positive sentiment yeah on their experience watching it i was like oh I'm so ready. I was already kind of like strapped in, but now I'm like, now I'm good to go. Yeah. Like, not that I needed it or anything like that, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's my favorite filmmaker and it's been 13 years, like you said. And going in, I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your, you know, pre screening expectations are. It could be low, it could be high, whatever. It has to deliver. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, it delivered. It delivered. It delivered it really big time did, yeah. for a, uh, in a number of different ways. And even the second viewing, just a few days later, I wasn't thinking this is boring or I've already seen it or this is time for me to take a break. No, I was as plugged in for a few different reasons on the second time watching it as I was the first time. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite films of the year. What can I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I have, uh, I have like massively positive sentiments about this goddamn movie right yeah. and I'll, I'll say that first off the bat but like my biggest thing is that i, I think the first thing to all like f- initially always address with this movie is always going to be like how are the visuals yeah right because at the end of the day like that's really what i was excited about i was walking this movie just thinking i i can't wait to see what 
James Cameron has cooked up because I expect the visuals to be absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. right? I, I expect a very high level. And I, I I almost expect him to like over deliver in a way, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I almost expect that these visuals have to blow my mind. And it's hard for a movie to actually do that. We watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. We watch a lot of great movies. And for, for this movie to like to, to visually kind of blow me away in the way that it did is even more so than what I just hyped up. You know what I mean? Like in my head, I expected something and then I hyped it even more in my head. And then this movie blew that out of the water. In terms of visuals, it's one of the most visceral experiences I've ever had watching a movie. I genuinely believe that. It's a spectacle, man. Yeah, it really is a spectacle. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a beautiful... From from a technical standpoint, when you consider the motion capture and the, the special effects that Weta did, yeah. just... They are just light years ahead of any other production special effects house that's currently in the game. And it's maybe partly due to the fact that they are spearheaded by James Cameron, who, like, demands a lot of himself, but he demands so much of everyone that collaborates and works with him, right? If you look back at his movies, they are constantly on the bleeding edge of technology. They are constantly breaking ground or, you know, really, like, like you said, inventing new technology to help the filmmaking process kind of continue to evolve and and that's what you get like this is night and day to even avatar in 2009 i agree like it's it's like it's it's a completely different experience like i remember the 3d experience that i had in 2009 and we just recently rewatched it in the theater like a month ago yeah which was a kind of nice little you know palette cleanser kind of catch you up get ready for avatar 2 this is a whole different ball game it really is and like i said from a technical span- standpoint it is a spectacle it's something that is just a, a visual treat for your eyes. Yeah. You know, it's, there's no other way to describe it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah, genuinely, like, it just, uh, it, it's almost, like, mind-blowing to see how much dedication James Cameron, and, like, to think, like, it did take 13 years, but James Cameron put so much time not only to be like, okay, cool, well, what's the coolest shot I can make? What's the coolest world I can make? Because that's really what I felt like, uh, visually I was kind of going through is like we explored a brand new world with him mm. and like obviously we've visited Pandora before and we got the forest and he's like it's such a genius move to to pivot and be like okay cool like to, to pivot and be like well I'm gonna go to the ocean it's obviously it's like an obsession of his anyways yeah but to understand what he might be able to offer in terms of visuals just by going with that angle and and I think because of that it, it let him kind of explore stuff that uh, like obviously literally he got to explore stuff like in the world that nobody might have ever ever seen before but like I feel like he got to present his like the the way he wanted to present this world in like a very unique way that only his perspective could have like really gotten across his his like sensibilities and choices that he makes in terms of like visuals and how the visuals kind of make you feel and like like present like this idea of Pandora as like a living breathing character within itself like like literally spiritually like they talk about that and and for him to like really accomplish that and make it feel like a very special planet yeah it's it's mind-blowing yeah that's like one of the biggest takeaways for me for this movie is he expanded the lore and the mythology and the world building of not just pandora yeah but the characters we got introduced to so many new characters that we are now invested in in terms of the next kind of like few sequels that we get but just 
moving from like the rainforest to the ocean and, and all of this obviously comes with a really good message in terms of we should be looking at how we're you know treating our planet and yeah. our earth yeah, the first so. movie was very much about you know conserving the rainforests this movie is very much about you know sea life and kind of protecting uh, and reserving reserving our oceans yes so this this these themes are consistent in this movie and it doesn't slap you over the head with it. Yeah. It's all kind of woven into the story and the characters and what everybody kind of goes through. Yes, yes, yes. It's really interesting to see how he was able to accomplish that without feeling preachy. Yeah. Without, like, he basically just, like, showed it in, like, very visceral ways. Like, the way they kind of killed the whale-like creature. The tacoon. Yeah, the tacoon. And, like, for them to, like, show that and the way they kind of accomplished it and then to, for, like, your brain has to start making connections of, like, oh, that's what happens. Like genuinely in my head, I was thinking like, oh man, this happens and I eat it. Yeah. Like I was having these conversations in my head and mm-hmm. like thinking about like just how I'm a part of like that as well. And I'm, you know, someone smarter than me is going to be having these conversations as well. And they're going to be better for contributing yeah, <laughs> or like better for having these thoughts yeah, and like actually contributing some way. Like it's just, it's like, uh, it's, it's putting a really fantastic message on like the biggest possible show or like platform that you possibly can mm-hmm. a James Cameron movie yeah, right? yeah like yeah. it doesn't get any bigger than that yeah on top of that I think I, I feel like the visuals are so good that a part of me almost has like a hesitation because I remember in 2008 being this overwhelmed by like how crazy the visuals were and being so blown away by like because before that the idea of 3D was stupid yeah right and then for him to kind of like change the game and then for the hangover after Avatar for like the appetite for 3D to be just completely destroyed. I hated it. I remember I worked at Best Buy, dude. Yeah. I had to deal with this man making a movie and me having to sell stupid 3D TVs for like years, right? Yeah. And I remember like selling the idea of 3D and just being like, this is so dumb. You're not going to go home, put on 3D glasses and like watch a movie. Yeah. Nobody does that. You're just, you just want to chill at home and watch a movie. And like, it, it was almost like a weird hangover. And I think the resentment of 3D goes and gets like attributed to avatar in a way which is so unfair because james cameron authored it all in 3d what hollywood did was like oh this is great like all these cinemas around the world have now just installed all these 3d projectors and now there's an appetite for more 3d movies yeah and we can charge more per ticket for that's, these 3d the screenings oh, well, here's what we'll do. All of our big special effects blockbusters, we're going to just send it off to this third-party company and they're going to just, you know, recreate it in 3D. You know, even if the filmmaker didn't shoot it or intended it to be in 3D, there's literally only been a handful of movies that have been shot in 3D and, and, the, and the filmmaker wanted it to be presented and, and viewed in 3D. It's because it's extremely hard. It's yeah. extremely hard. It doesn't apply to every single movie, yeah. right? Uh, or to every single experience. It's very unfortunate, but like you said, it kind of all got lumped onto Avatar and to James Cameron because, again, they delivered such a fantastic experience that everybody was like, oh, you know, now I want to have the same thing on my sports and uh, football and at home. But, like, the like the way I was thinking about it is also that we, people are so overwhelmed by, like, the visuals and, like, you're, you're going to see them and you'll be blown away by mm. them. But what do you because like I think the big thing was that when people went home and like rewatched Avatar they're not having that same experience because like it's not IMAX 3D right right? so you kind of like don't go home with that so when you go home and watch just Avatar you're just kind of basing it on the story yeah how much do you think right now obviously we're like really jazzed that we have like recency bias it's gonna happen regardless like this is very it's almost like uh, like visually he just hit like a new benchmark right like I I don't know what other movies I could visually compare to this movie Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it just feels very high level but 
at, at what point, <laughs> like when we go home and like rewatch this movie, do you think it's still going to hold up or like, do you think that's ever going to be like uh, a criticism? Is that like a justified criticism? Well, here's what I'll say, right? I think Avatar The Way of Water is a much better story than the original Avatar. Mm. Avatar from 2009, it's essentially Pocahontas. It's essentially Dances with Wolves, right? It's We've seen the mo- we've seen that story multiple times in, in other movies and other TV shows and, sure. and bits and pieces. And I'm, and I'm not saying that Avatar The Way of Water is 100% completely original either. Yeah. There's definitely a bunch of tropes that you've seen in other sure. movies, right? In James Cameron's own movies. Like, even, like, the idea of uh, the, the evil character coming back as an Avatar. Like, exactly. He's on that in Terminator. 100%. You know I mean? and, and even the kids. Like, the, the story of all the children is a coming-of-age story, yeah. in my opinion. Right? They all go through their own experiences, mm-hmm. and um, which we'll kind of obviously get into. Yeah. But I feel overall... I feel like the way of water has a much stronger story and I will in, I've already enjoyed it a second time in the cinema. I think I'll enjoy it more watching it at home when you know at some point in 2023. But the the other big takeaway is when the first Avatar movie ended, right? You watch it and you watch the story and you're like, "Oh, cool. I don't know if we're going to get any more of these." They didn't know if they were going to make any more. They didn't know until they kind of 6 months later were like, "Oh, we've actually got a massive hit in our hands," right? Yeah. This time around though, you are so much more invested in the villains, in the children, in the heroes, yeah. in the tribes, in the planet itself, in this human incursion. You are now so much more invested into more stories. Where do we go next? What happens with Jake, Neytiri? What happens with Korich and all these other characters? Mm-hmm. And that for me makes us a much better and a much more compelling story. I, I kind of agree. It is interesting because it does have those tropes that like, you know, I can imagine people picking it as like low-hanging fruit to like criticize. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, I, I, it's almost like they've laid down the foundation for really interesting stories that I'm invested in seeing going yeah. forward, right? Like yeah. even like just the brother, the younger brother who basically, you know, is a part of why his brother dies, mm-hmm. right? That guilt is going to carry on through the series and be a pretty important part of like the dad, like the, the parents' relationship with him, mm-hmm. how... He kind of views himself uh, within like the the clan. Like he already feels like the outcast and stuff like that. Like that's gonna be have to be something he overcomes. Yeah. Um, the kids themselves feel like even though they get in like these precarious positions, like it feels very Jurassic Parky to me sometimes. And like even like the idea of the spectacle, like there was a lot of like I, what I imagine people went through in like the '90s, being like, "Holy shit! Look at how crazy this movie looks!" Like Jurassic Park very much must have been a spectacle as well. And right. we are so desensitized, um, and luckily so at this stage of our human civilization. Sure, exactly. We've seen so many movies in the theater at home with incredibly, fantastically well-produced special effects. Yeah. It takes something really special to blow you away these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. And in the, it's actually interesting because I one thing we always talk about is, like, performances mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, what do, you, what do you think about individual performances, right? And for me, this movie is interesting because, like, when I think of this movie, it's almost like a little bit CGI. Mm. Where, like, you know when you watch, like, a a Pixar movie that's, like, CGI and you know the voice actors, but you're not thinking about the performance, right? It's almost like you're watching the CGI character kind of move around, but you're not thinking about the actor's performance. Yeah. I kind of find, like, I have a hard time kind of crediting actors, even in this movie, for their performance because my brain kind of leans towards, like, the CGI thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not even thinking about oh how good was this person's performance mm. right like I, I like I don't know if like a movie like this is going to get nominations for like 
best actor even though it's gonna get nominated for like everything else this is fantastic fascinating to me because i can't wait to talk about best character when yeah. we do our like uh, that's why i was thinking about it yeah because i have something in mind that is actually directly related to uh the performance that sh- for me personally shone through yeah and kind of really brought this particular character to life that i didn't expect it, it's interesting because like i feel like a part of me is because we're watching these like blue characters and like they're aliens and stuff yeah. like that it's almost like i have to get used to like seeing them right and like get used to them like i'm not really sure if i'm like sitting down and thinking about like man this like the younger like any of the new characters didn't feel like i was able to make like massive distinctions between them it was still a little bit difficult to to like really be like okay cool well this is this character like i I understand them through relationships almost versus like individual identity also i feel like in the first avatar movie it was like 50 50 we got 50 percent avatars and 50% human beings. Yeah. Whereas I feel like in this movie, it's like 90-10. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. pretty much all avatars. Straight up, yeah. Heroes and villains. Yeah, there was like basically like one, like having a spider. Because my visuals, whenever I would see spider and I would see everything else and how flawless it looked, that would be like the barometer for me to be like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like the, to the level that they're doing it is just... But again, I still, in my head, don't wrap my head around the idea that like I'm watching... Sigourney Weaver mm. have a performance. You know by, the, I mean? by the way, I wanted to ask you what you actually thought of the, the general broad strokes of the story. So in the first Avatar, it's humans coming to kind of drill for this unobtainium to bring back to Earth because it's because it, it you know is a very expensive material right mm-hmm. and a resource. This time around, the humans have destroyed Earth and the the military are basically getting Pandora ready for everyone on planet earth to leave earth yeah. and to eventually move over and live on pandora and in in addition to that they've now found out that through these tacoons these kind of whale-like creatures on this planet there's this kind of like yellow goo yeah. that they can extract from their brains that actually stops human aging yeah so in terms of like the reasons why they've come back and what they're what did you think of that story i think that is a little it is a little flimsy i'll be honest like as a story device it's a little flimsy that like oh the previous very expensive thing is now replaced by a more expensive thing it's (laughs) like i get that's a trope i don't think that's like some high level shit right that's not like the big thing yeah that is almost like the least of my worries when i watch this movie you know what i mean like the movie's really about like family yeah and the movie's really about like it's about colonization and like all these kinds of things as well but it's a very like this is why we're doing it just remember that yeah and like kind of hushed away to the side what that told me was it's almost like a peek into where we are potentially heading with future movies yeah for sure it's like all right cool they're trying to kill jake sully because he is the reason that there is an insurgent say from the navi yeah right but what's really going on humans are on there they're on their way they're coming they're coming and there's going to be a situation right because there's going to be the Navi and then there's going to be humans. They're not going to get along. So we're going to have this big planetary war or some, it, something. Like, there's like a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of nuance of like how they're going to really approach the story. Because like even like kind of leaving it, you get uh, Colonel whatever his name. Quaritch. Colonel Quaritch. Like him being saved by Spider. Yeah. And now we his get son. his son. That There's like that nuance. And there's like the idea that like, okay, cool. Well, like he saved his enemy. And in, your, in my head, like I'm watching that part and I'm like, you moron. You should have let this guy die. But, like, obviously in the story, like, Quaritch is going to have his own little, like, nuance as well. Like, because now he's going to go back to Earth, number one, defeated. But number two, I wonder how he's going to be treated now that he's a Na'vi. And he's going to be 
viewing his experience through the perception of like how humans don't view him as one of their own. I don't think he's going to go back to Earth. I think because he's just Navi now. So I think he's defeated, but he's not killed. Right, but, but I still like part of that clan. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to view him as like an equal anymore. I feel they're like view him as like a tool almost. I feel like Quaritch is going to have a redemptive story. I arc. think so too. That's what I mean. Yeah. I, think, I think the long run is that like at the end of the day, like Quaritch is going to end up being like a good guy. Or something. Like he's going to have his Darth Vader moment. I wonder if like, I was actually thinking about that exact thing. I had the exact same thought of like I wonder what could be like a Darth Vader moment in this. I genuinely think if they were to somehow. <laughs> Like, if they wanted to. Like, obviously, like, the the funny thing about Star Wars is that, like, the idea of, like, Luke, you are my father, it's, like, accepted now. But, like, imagine if somebody tried to present that. It would be, like, very melodramatic. I'm so glad that you brought that up, by the way, because they didn't even kind of leave that as a hanging, we're about to get that revelation in the third act. It was like, no, in the very first act, within, like, 20, 30 minutes, like, yep, that's that's his kid. Yeah. They didn't even, like, beat around the bush, which I'm like... I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't need to kind of, like, really play any games here. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I still feel like they are kind of dangling a few things with that. Mm. Like, I, I think they're they're kind of doing the Luke, you are my father with Sigourney Weaver's character. Whoever that father, like, the father of that Kiri ends up being. If she has a father. Sure. It could be Immaculate Conception. Uh, that could be a Star Wars thing. You never know. Yeah. I, I didn't go over that well last time. <laughs> let's see what happens. But I feel like uh, that's a little like a hanging fruit. But I think the idea of, like, his son turning on him and becoming a bad guy. Mm. To let that kind of play out over the feet. Like, just because if there is going to be a flip in terms of Quaritch becoming the bad guy generally there's like a balance Mm -hmm. who would be the good guy turning bad and i wonder there's gonna be some sort of betrayal at some point it happens it always happens that's part of the these stories so i wonder what that would be i think the the highest level of that would be the son betraying his own people because he's still a halfling too at the end of the day i feel like there's gonna be like a romantic love story between kiri and spider yeah i I think i feel like like i I feel like that's where that that the kind of story is gonna go but i don't know if it's gonna be a happily ever after there could be a a, you know a heel turn from spider eventually at some point you know what this is the cool thing about the movie and and cameron introducing all these new characters is you can play with this in a lot of different ways exactly that's what it is because it is like a franchise now it's like you have these toys to kind of play with i think spider is like reflective of like the best part of humanity like that's mm. what they're trying to show right yeah like, yeah that like sure he's like you know they they view like we would view him as like being this feral human being yeah but obviously like we view it through the perception of like the navi so we're watching it being like oh no this is a good guy and what we've just been speaking about for the last like five ten minutes is i think one of the biggest takeaways of why this film i feel like is such a success story yeah this is not based on comic books or ip or novels it's cameron yeah he wrote the original avatar movie in 2000 sorry in 1995 yeah right and for the first film to come out in 2009 and for the sequel to come out in 2022 he had to remind everyone what pandora is right he had to in like get you emotionally invested in not just the characters that we already knew from the first movie mm-hmm. but all these you know new characters and like my biggest takeaway is i am now not just invested but i'm reinvested yeah. in pandora i am reinvested in the world of avatar that camera has presented and the cool thing is is we don't have to wait another 13 years for another movie and the fact that he said oh it might just be one more movie or it might be you know two three or four or five more movies 
I want to get the latter. I want three or four or five more movies. I want the next decade every couple of years. Give me another uh, Avatar story. Give me another sequel. Because like I'm that invested in this world. And, and maybe a part of that could be just because it's a nice break away from what's been dominating cinema and theaters for 10 to 15 years now, which has been comic book movies. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot to be said for how these genre movies, and I was happy to be part of the problem if there is one, Right. Um, you know, uh, were uh, denigrated the, 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 art the form. era, the art form of cinema. And by the way, when you come in, like a stomping beast and you eliminate the competition in such a uh, demonstrative way uh, you know it's it's phenomenal I think the way we kind of leave with this movie and like the idea of like going forward would you be uh, are you so open because I want to see more of Pandora yeah like you know how you mentioned like now we're going to see more and more a part of me almost wants I don't know if I just want to see the war side of Pandora. Sometimes I might just like, I enjoy the first half of this movie mm. or the bit where they're just learning the world and stuff like that. I enjoy that just as much as like the final scenes. Like if anything, for me, I enjoy those more mm. because we're like living in this world and it's almost like uh, we're, we're like, it's like an adventure. It feels yeah. very much like the, it as far as like action adventures go, this movie feels like a genuine adventure you're going on. Yeah. And also like, if this is what he had in mind for the second movie, I can't wait to see what he has up his sleeve yeah, for the next one. I agree. Because he's someone that always takes... Like, I said this initially when I watched it on Thursday night. He is the undisputed, at this at this point, the undisputed king of sequels. Yeah. The track record speaks for itself. Yeah. That- Aliens, Terminator 2, and The Way of Water are all, in many ways, better than the originals. That's what's kind of crazy is like, He's never done the trilogy. Yeah. And it's interesting to think of like, okay, cool. Well, he's always one-upped the first one. How the hell is he going to do a third? Isn't that exciting? It the is the prospect exciting. of thinking about yeah, that? Yeah, I do love that. To see how he can expand on worlds. And like, to, it's almost like what... Because he can do it at such a level where in this second film, it's like, okay, cool. He created a whole world. Mm. What would you have to do? Does he have to do that in the next film? I want to see what kind of decisions James Cameron makes. Mm. Uh, I'm really interested to kind of continue this conversation because... Like I'm really interested to see where this discussion kind of changes when it's award season. Mm. When we're not talking about it in the context of how we feel right now, yeah. how do we feel about it in a few weeks? How does it stack up to like other other favorite movies of the year? And I'm very curious to see like how that conversation is gonna change how we feel about it because it will. If I had to just guess right now. I feel like it's going to get all the technical nominations and I think it'll win most of the technical awards. Um, It might have a shot. I might have a chance of squeezing into the 10 best pictures of the year category. I I think it's going to be in there. I think it's going to be... I still think that will be tough, right? Really? I don't think... I think that's like for sure. I was thinking about this. You know how we're going to do our year wrap up and like I was starting to list all of my favorite moves of the year. Yeah. And like... I can actually easily name 10. It's been that good of a year. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's right? what I mean. And there's still it's like Babylon to come out. Yeah. There's the, there's still a few in, in the chamber yeah. that are still ready to come out, right? And the times have changed as well. Like when the first Avatar came out, it never got uh, a, you know, a list for best picture of the year. But since then, we've seen, you know, some MCU movies get, you know, get into the category. So maybe it's got a shot there. I think it really does, if I'm being honest. I think it's like a, it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of positions in award season mm. because... I wonder if it's like a Return of the King situation or, you know, is it just, is a nomination good enough? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know where 
this kind of falls on as, as far as franchises go. Yeah. Let's get into our categories, though. First one, best character. Who you got for this? I was really excited to talk about this. So I actually went with Kiri, uh, played by Sigourney Weaver. Of all the new characters, I thought that her motion capture performance shone through the best. And I felt like um, Sigourney Weaver playing a child was a fascinating twist on choosing an actor to play a character so young. And I really enjoyed her performance. And like I said, I felt like from the motion capture point of view, I kind of understand what you're com- coming from in terms of, am I just kind of seeing special effects here laid on someone's performance? Yeah. And is it hard for me to really invest emotionally into that character? Uh, for me, I could I could really do that with Kiri more so than anybody else in the yeah. movie. I, well, I really meant more like um, just how my brain is like perceiving it. Got it. Just because like the same way, like if I'm watching like, any great movie from this year, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, any other like Empire of Light, any other great movie that we watch this year. I'm watching that person, and I'm like, you're almost like evaluating their performance yeah. while you're watching it. Yeah. But with this movie, I'm not thinking that way because it's avatars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's hard yeah. to get over that. Like having said that, uh, as far as like visceral reactions and like like how good a performance kind of gets through these things, because like there is like a little bit of an asterisk in my head in that way but the two that I kind of go with are Sigourney Weaver as Curie she 100% as far as like heartstrings go she pulled them probably more than like most characters in that movie but on top of that uh, Zoe Saldana as Natiri is yeah. always like a crazy character it's, it's, it's so interesting to see her kind of snap in the end to see how like spider scared of her and like that whole exchange and all that kind of stuff Yeah, yeah. it's so intense and the way she sells it is like incredible and what's crazy is I feel like uh, pound for pound, I think she gets way less screen time in this movie than she did in the, in the first Avatar yeah. movie, which means, again, there's so much more to explore these characters in the sequels. Because I yeah. feel like um, both her and Jake, compared to the kids, I feel like this is more about the kids, this whole movie. This was more about like expanding the world. Yeah. You know I mean, like it's, it wasn't, for me, like it's hard to be like, this character was really great. It was like, it, for me, it was like Pandora. Yeah. We're expanding Pandora. That was the most fun part. Mm-hmm. So uh, what about best scene for you? Man, this is so tough. Um, but I I ultimately went with this scene that I was not expecting. And it was when Jake's eldest son dies. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Nataeum that, that dies. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. I thought, okay, they've introduced all these characters. And if anyone's going to kind of die or have a, a tragic, you know, uh, fate to their character arc, it'll come in like, the coming sequels Mm -hmm. but to see that come so early i was like oh whoa what just happened right now and then and like again and i felt like this was a scene where everyone else's emotions came through the motion capture really jake natiri how they kind of react and kind of go into that final kind of couple of scenes i just thought it was by far the most emotional moment of the movie it was it was fantastic yeah honestly like i have a really hard time because for me it's not i think the visuals are like really like the star of yeah. the show for me like yeah. at the end of the day that is the biggest thing uh-huh. that's the big, biggest takeaway even like like depending on what scene it is for me it's almost like the introduction of like whatever's new because yeah. you're exploring it with these characters mm-hmm. and for me it's once you hit the water and you kind of explore this brand new world that was like a light like just shown you know what i mean like a like a brand new thing like just illuminated a whole new part of this world it's almost like when you're playing a video game and yeah. you unlock a new part of a map yeah and like you're just excited to like explore that map. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. like that and like that's how i kind of felt it's like almost like a fun world that i'm really excited to see like kind of explore on that note 
I wonder if we're going to actually get like a, a a Pandora video game now. I now need that a the, VR experience. Right? Yeah, yeah something. I do. I do need a VR experience. And there's got to be something where like you can experience it like in a completely different way. Mm. Like James Cameron's got to figure it out. They got, that's how like I would love to explore that. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that would be like a really fun way to like get the metaverse like really interesting right yeah. like that like having skins of worlds and stuff uh as far as star rings go though uh zero being the worst five being the best where do you rate avatar the way of water this was actually a little bit tricky for me and i almost had to compare it to where i kind of where avatar lands for me the the 2009 movie and obviously we haven't done a, a retro review of that movie or anything like that but in my mind i said to myself right that movie would fall somewhere between in my opinion now a four and a 4.25 somewhere in that ballpark right avatar the way of water for me is a is a obviously from a spectacle standpoint it's five stars yeah right from a story perspective it's way better in my opinion than avatar right and so where i kind of land with this is it's almost like in between a 4.5 and a 4.75 so it's almost for me like it's like a 4.66 yeah right and that's where i'm landing here it's kind of like 4.66 sure. i've already done one of those reviews uh as of as of de- uh, as of um ever period but that's where i'm kind of landing it's in between a 4.5 and a 4.75 yeah and what i love about giving this particular rating is even though the first avatar movie like i said before we've seen like the story a thousand times before right in other versions right and in this movie we've seen tropes and you know so, sort of similar stories in other places I kind of feel like from a story perspective, Cameron has maybe a five star in the chamber somewhere. And I'm hoping we get that in forthcoming sequels. Uh, But for me, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. It's my favorite Cameron movie since Terminator 2, right? So think about Terminator 2. After that, we've got True Lies, Titanic, and Avatar. This for me is better than those three. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I had a great time. Like I said, one of my favorite movies of the year. And I'm landing on a 4.66. It's kind of interesting because I was almost like for sure that you were going to give this five stars. Mm-hmm. I was almost certain mm-hmm. because like I just like obviously like there's James Cameron bias which yeah. has to exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to almost tell him, I, have to, I have to almost reel myself back a little bit and actually give it an honest honest review and an honest rating from that perspective. And the thing is, is like t- Cameron is my favorite director of all time. Don't get me wrong. But like he's got non five-star movies in his in his resume there are movies that, not every single movie is a five-star movie yeah just like for me not every tarantino movie is a five-star movie Absolutely, right yeah yeah i i think uh the interesting thing about this movie is that i kind of walk away with it having like two thoughts yes the story isn't perfect right like for example like my major contender of like what I value this year as far as like best pictures and all that kind of stuff like everything everywhere all at once holds a very sentimental place for me absolutely on top of being like a conceptual masterpiece and like visually incredible and like and rightly just so. so much fun yeah right Th- not to compare them yeah but they're offering me very different things mm-hmm. and it's weird to like isn't that cool cinema can do that it's beautiful <laughs> yeah. but like it's kind of like when I listen to an album where the experience that you're getting from that album is incredible front to back Right. Like, for example, like when I listen to Damn, I I think that is such an exceptionally great album because it is spectacle. Yeah. Right. Like that album uh, before I remember back in the day being like, you know, at the end of the day, like it feels like he's going for hits, feels like he is specifically trying to like get like radio singles with like humble and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, when I listen to that album front to back, 
that's one of the best albums I've ever heard mm-hmm. because that man delivers in every single way. You know what I mean? Like Duckworth is an amazing song to finish off with. DNA is a, a, an all time banger. You know what I mean? Like if you put that on a speaker next to like any other banger that anybody has, it's as high level as it gets. Mm-hmm. And am I going to not rate that? a per- like that's, a, that's essentially like a perfect album. In its mm-hmm. own way, it's a perfect album. Mm-hmm. In its own way, I've tried the way of the water for me. It's like a perfect movie. I love it. I have no reason to criticize this movie in the same way that I have no reason, and not to trivialize it, but I have no reason to criticize the best roller coaster I've ever been on. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a visceral experience isn't something that I think you should like downplay. If I'm being honest, like this is one of my favorite movie going experiences and that's why I have to give it five stars. Good for you. I have to give it five stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is going to be one of those movies that even if later on it ages like the story ages poorly, I think just that one experience that I had is enough for me to be like, boom, that's five stars to me because I got everything I would have wanted out of a movie from this. So you're quantifying your rating system then based on the first experience only. No, I I, will not really. You are though. No, no, I'm not saying that it's just like, it's just that like, it's like, well, uh, I'm only saying like, I'm only saying that this, experience that I had the first time is going to be like the best and that's all I'm going to judge it on. Mm -hmm. That's not it. It's just that I'm also recognizing that this moment that it was able to create is undeniable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like a recognition that like this artist had all the tools in the world. Yeah. In in every way, the expectations are as high as they can possibly be. And he knocked it out of the park. What more do I want? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's what I would like very much in the same way when I think of like a five-star match. A part of that is just how did I feel when I was watching that thing? Sure. And this movie felt fantastic. I love it. Again, I'm not criticizing. I'm right. just kind of just no, like, no, I'm I, just interested in like your, your the thought pattern yeah, 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 yeah. of landing on five stars. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And and like, I'm like, I, I, I wouldn't even say I'm, I, I'm actually interested because like we're going to be talking next week about like, are like top 10 movies for the year exactly and we're going to be talking about like basically comparing it to the other things i'm also going to like I'll, I'll bring up what movies we gave five stars to yeah and we can kind of see how we still feel about them like after sure. the fact yeah right do uh, do they still hold up that uh, strong like where would you rank your five star movies that kind of thing like i really want to get into these discussions because i i think this is gonna be a really interesting one this and year. the cool thing about that is is like if we were just saying here's our top 10 movies of the year based by ranking yeah that's a different conversation we're going to be giving our favorite movies our yeah. top 10 favorite movies yeah. of 2022 and sometimes the five star movie that you watched there might be a 4.5 or a 4.75 whatever your top 10 is that's and your top that 10. might be your favorite like that's your you top might, 10 yeah exactly that's your top 10 whatever like, you define your top 10 as and here's the thing is like you could give uh, Schindler's List five stars but is that your favorite movie of the year <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean it's a different experience exactly. right exactly and yeah. like for me even like I, I feel like at the end of the day what my, my barometer of like what a five star movie is yeah. is that one of the best experiences or movies I've ever seen or like mm. You know, like, is that one of the best experiences I've had watching a movie? Right. That is, like, probably above all the best, like, the biggest factor of how I'm going to rate a movie. Mm -hmm. Right? My own experience. And I feel like, how am I going to question this one, man? I I absolutely agree. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So let's get into our last part of the show. Let's get wrecked. Our weekly recommendation segment. Hit me with Sandy's pick. Are you into baseball or the MLB? Not even a little bit. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. Not not whatsoever. I think I've been to like one Blue Jays game since yeah. I moved here. I had an all right time, but yeah, I don't, sure. it didn't really get me into the sport. Sure. That being said, the captain, 
<laughs> it's a brand new docuseries um, based on Derek Jeter, who I was familiar with kind of like growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s. But like, I didn't really know him, him properly. Like sure. I didn't follow him in the Yankees, the MLB and all that kind of stuff. Right. I just know like you dated Tori Wilson, I think. Right. <laughs> like, no, I don't even know that. That's how little I care about. Baseball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the cool thing about the captain. Even if you know nothing about baseball or Derek Jeter, I feel like you will love this docuseries. It chronicles the life of like one of the all-time great players who played for like one of the most infamous franchises, not just in, in the MLB, but in all of sports, the New York Yankees. And I found it to be riveting. Like I would put it like not on the same level of a of a last dance, but kind of just like a tier below. And um, yeah, I really enjoy watching sports documentaries. It's like one of my favorite kind of like segments of the documentary genre itself. And I had a really good time watching it. And, fun- and funnily enough, I actually watched by accident like a couple of episodes when I was kind of like staying in a hotel earlier this year on a trip. And it finally, the full the full thing finally dropped on uh, on on Disney Plus. And I finally got a chance to actually watch it from beginning to end. And uh, it gave me a great appreciation for him and what he did and what he meant to the sport of, of baseball. And and yeah, like I said, if you like sports documentaries, check out The Captain. It's phenomenal. That's awesome. Um uh, so my recommendation is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I might have mentioned this previously, but it's one of my favorite movies ever, right? And uh, it's funny because as far as experiences go, this is kind of where the link kind of came in my head of like why I wanted to recommend this. It's just one of the most memorable first watch experiences I've ever had of watching a movie, mm-hmm. right? It's Jim Carrey when he's like trying some wild stuff like coming out of his like deep deep comedy era in the 90s and like getting into drama when he was and I think this is the best movie he's ever been a part of personally and Kate Winslet is Kate Winslet right at the end of the day like she's as high level as it gets and this is no different but on top of that like when Kate Winslet has like certain roles most of them are very unrelatable roles it's just like she's such an incredible actress yeah this one it's much more like I might know this person. Right. Right. And that's an interesting side of Kate Winslet to see and see how she's still like so great, even like that. Yeah. And this movie makes you like, it takes like that question of it's better to have loved and lost than to not have loved at all. And in this movie, you can kind of like erase your ex from your life. Right. And I think it's actually surprising that this movie doesn't have like a bigger, like social like imprint. Like you would think like on Tumblr or something like that, this would be like, maybe it does. Maybe it exists in that space. But like, this is the kind of movie that makes you kind of like think about it for like an uncomfortable amount of times after the fact, right? <laughs> it's just like one of those movies that kind of just sticks with you and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Go out of your way to watch it. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, but yeah, that's everything for this week. John, where can anybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, do us a favor. It takes 20 seconds. Rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.